From Asia Pacific Arts, this is Bullet Train, a podcast about Asian pop culture. I'm Ada Singh, and on this episode, we're talking about hot moms, or la ma in Chinese. There's a little bit of graphic language in this episode, as you might expect if you're talking about mothers. Starting now. Ooh, I took some MILF. What the hell's that? M-I-L-F. Mom, I'd like to fuck. Yeah! <laughs> That's John Cho's character in the 1999 high school sex comedy American Pie, explaining what a MILF is. He's talking about Stifler's mom, played by Jennifer Coolidge, who all the teenage boys had a crush on, and one lucky guy eventually has a magical night with her. You've probably heard of MILF. The term has been around since the 1990s, and it was officially added into the Oxford English Dictionary in 2008. But the concept of MILF predates the term. Most notably, with Anne Bancroft as Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> teasing a young Dustin Hoffman back in the 1960s. Aren't you? Nowadays, it's become more normalized for men to fantasize about older women in general. So much so that MILF has become one of the most popular genres of pornography, according to a recent Playboy article called Why Men Like MILFs. And in the last decade, hot moms have really made an impression on popular culture. Here's a quick sampling. That's the hit song Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne from 2003. That's Justin Timberlake and Andy Samberg in the 2011 Saturday Night Live digital short. And that's Sexy Mother, a comedy music video starring Joseph Gordon-Lovett that just came out July 2015. But have you heard the Chinese phrase for hot mom? I think in the uh, past several years, we already very familiar with this word, hot mom. In Chinese, it's called la ma, and everybody have some like image about what's mean the hot mom. That's Sun Yifei, a sociology professor at Fudan University in Shanghai. Earlier this year, she gave a talk at the USC US China Institute's Millennial Minds Conference titled Hot Mom, Motherhood, Feminism, and Asserting One's Individuality in China. Her lecture was accompanied by a PowerPoint where she showed images of hot Chinese mothers looking like supermodels. They're skinny, wearing tight mini dresses, perfect makeup, high heels, holding a baby on their hips as if cute kids were the hottest new accessory. She talked about her recent Chinese TV drama called Hot Mom, starring the real-life hot mom, Sun Li. And there's even a talk show called Hot Mom College. For those of you who haven't heard of the term, la ma, let's break it down. Ma means mom. And the word la in Chinese actually means spicy. But as slang, la is a word that's used to describe women who have sex appeal. Hot girls are called la mei. Mei is technically the word for younger sister. But it's also an affectionate term for any woman younger than you. As part of her research, Professor Sun scanned a database of Chinese language newspaper and magazine articles, searching for the term la ma. From 2003 to 2011, there were over 1,000 instances. The first usage of la ma she found was in 2003 in an article about the film Freaky Friday, starring Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, where the mother and daughter switch bodies. La ma was a reference to the mother character after she starts acting like her teenage daughter, dressing in miniskirts and black leather boots, rocking out on a band. But soon after that, la ma started being used to describe hot celebrity moms. Chinese women were looking at Western celebrities, like Angelina Jolie and Victoria Beckham, but also people like Di Su, a Taiwanese celebrity many know as Xiao S. 
She's a former pop star who hosts the talk show Kangshi Laila. Now in her mid-30s and a mother of three, she's notorious for being very open about her personal life, which involves her marriage, her pregnancies, how she maintains her figure, and she's become a symbol of the modern woman, not afraid of being outspoken, dressing provocatively, even flirting with her male guests. But by 2007, the term La Ma made another shift. It wasn't just used to describe movie stars anymore. Anyone could be a hot mom. And this is where the differences between the English and Chinese terms are interesting. The term MILF is defined by the male gaze, and it's objectifying, but at the same time it's so obviously objectifying, you'd be hard-pressed to find that many women who aspire to be a MILF. But the term hot mom? Why wouldn't you want to be a hot mom? It's such a compliment. So suddenly there's a notion that Chinese mothers not only could be hot, but they wanted to be hot. It was empowering to be hot. In fact, Professor Sen said a more accurate translation of la ma is not just hot mom, but hot super mom. Here's one description of a modern hot mom she found in her research. Hot moms not only take care of their babies, they take care of their husband, organize baby meetups, breastfeed while watching sports matches in a stadium, they travel, they're good with technology, they're outgoing, they make online rap videos, etc, etc. And that sounds kind of great, but also sounds really stressful. So according to Professor Sen, now there's kind of a backlash to the hot mom phenomenon in China. When I interview my friends, do you want to be a hot mom? They said no, because hot mom gave us a lot of pressures. Because how can we do so good? We can do all kinds of things. Right? We still can look not like a mom, and we are good mom. She hates that the Chinese media celebrates hot moms as something that is empowering for the feminist movement. Because in reality, she argues that the gender roles in China have not changed. In fact, she says much of the discourse around mothers being hot is not really about women empowering themselves as much as them pleasing their husbands, making sure they don't leave you for a younger mistress. Can you imagine? The idea that if your husband strays, that it's partially your fault for not keeping up your appearances, for not being hot enough for him? So how do we get here? More after the break. If you like Bullet Train, check out our online magazine Asia Pacific Arts, where we bring you the most recent news about Asian pop culture, whether it be K-pop, Bollywood, YouTube stars, video games, or anything in between. To find out more, check us out at asiapacificarts.usc.edu. We're back, and we're talking about hot moms. The pressure to be a hot mom these days is something that mothers all around the world can relate to. But to truly understand the la ma phenomenon in China, it's important to backtrack and think about why it's so important to people that women are hot. I know that sounds weird, but we're not just talking about individual attractiveness. There's something larger at stake here. Female beauty has always been a national concern. That's Mila Zuo. She's an assistant professor of film studies at Oregon State University, and she's written extensively about women in Chinese cinema and media. It has now become like, well, the more beautiful women you have, the more modern your nation seems, the more progressive, the more well-to-do. And with China, beauty pageants and things like that, they were banned during Mao's reign. But when they started having beauty pageants beginning in the 1980s, government officials began to realize, wow, the publicity that we can get with these beauty pageants around the world is great. It makes us look like a desirable country. These women become like the ambassadors of the well-being of China. But women's beauty is often associated with youth. You see this trend in media all the time. 
Young women are celebrated for being objects of desire, but when they get older, they start getting relegated to the maternal roles. It's changing a little bit now, especially in television, but let's think about how mothers have typically been represented in Chinese cinema. Here's Brian Hu, a Chinese film scholar who's also the associate director of the San Diego Asian Film Festival. The classic mother of Chinese cinema is in the movie called The Goddess in the 1930s. It was a Shanghai film and it starred Ran Lingyu. It's about a woman who must work as a prostitute to support her baby son and the lengths that she'll go to ensure that he has a better life than she could ever dream for herself. So that became one of the archetypes of mothers in Chinese cinema. Like, what, what is the mother going to do for her son? We could trace that all the way to the present. Here are a few movies that come to mind when I think of mothers in Chinese film. One is the 2010 film Aftershock, inspired by the 1976 earthquake. There's also a 2012 documentary called Mothers. It's about China's one-child policy. And last year, Peter Chan's latest film, Dearest, features two mothers. So what do they have in common? They're all about the horrors of losing your child and what the mothers are willing to do to get their children back. The actual tagline for the 2012 documentary Mothers is, Chinese mothers want to keep their babies, but the state does not. And don't get me wrong, these are all really great films, but it's so rare that a mother gets to be a leading character. And when they are, it's often so tortured and heavy, as if the only reason to have a mom in the lead is if you need to tug at some heartstrings. It's like that in American film too. Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice, Jodie Foster in Panic Room, Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. It's like, look at how these mothers are suffering, whether it's because of external circumstances or whether it's just the daily grind of trying to keep her family together. But the weird thing is that in other forms of media, it's a completely different story. I feel like in celebrity culture, all these magazine covers are like, oh, look look how hot Mariah Carey is again, or Kim Kardashian, like immediately after giving birth. Look at how quickly she lost her weight. Think about talk shows that are targeting women. There, when they talk about mothers, it's more about what is the best way to raise your child, or how do you balance work and family? And to a certain extent, how do you look? Which is not just about how fast you lost your baby weight, but how do you feel? Part of putting on that dress that makes you look hot is also you kind of wondering whether you feel like yourself again. Will you ever feel like yourself again? With hotness, it, it kind of humanizes the woman in a surprising way. Because before that, if they're just there to serve a function, to sacrifice or to rear a child or to stand for the future of the nation or something like that, then they're here basically as function. But if you talk about their hotness, they're individuals again. Objectified individuals, but they're still individuals. This is something that is almost like lowbrow in a way. That's Mila again. Everyone participates. It's very tabloidy and gossipy. And at the same time, we confront these images every day and all the time. And we don't critically think about why or what does this mean? And, and in China, why is this such an internet phenomenon? As Americans, it's easy to think of these ideas of women empowerment and feminism as an evolving phenomenon. Because in the U.S., feminism began back in the late 1800s. And it's gone through multiple waves, from first wave feminism, which started with legal and voting rights, to third wave feminism, which encourages women to define feminism for themselves. But feminism in China is a little different. The Western feminists are famously like, the personal is political. Whereas Chinese feminists are like, no, the, the personal has always been too politicized that the state is always intruded on our personal lives. So they really have a new way of trying to negotiate those terms. Also, feminism in China is on a different timeline. 
it's still pretty new in comparison. They had what was called state feminism. The rhetoric under Mao's communism was women hold up half the sky. So, of course, because they had to recruit everyone to participate in the revolution, they couldn't exclude women. So by policy and by law, under Mao, they had certain new rights, the right to separate and laws surrounding ownership and things like that. But that didn't necessarily mean that women were truly equal to men, that women's real needs, real personal needs, were being addressed under communism. And the way women looked at the time was very connected to, and in some ways dictated, by the government. Because there had been a history of trends like foot binding in China, Mao saw women's fashion and style as tools of male domination over women. He said that jewelry was like shackles and cosmetics were the brand of a criminal. So he believed that eliminating the differences between how men and women dressed was the way to achieve equality. During the Cultural Revolution, women cut their hair. He tried to really paint femininity in a way that was counter-revolutionary, bourgeois decadence. He didn't get that the way women dressed could be an expression of individuality. So the fact that femininity was so completely against the official discourse, I think has really culminated to the point now under market socialism where women do feel freed from those shackles. And it was directly affected by China's swift economic rise, which is only in the last couple of decades. A big part of this rise in a hot mother in China is related to the rise of a middle-class consumer culture in China, where there is a lot of pressure to buy certain kinds of beauty creams and maintenance of the body. It's not simply that we accept mothers as being hot. There's such a huge market in ensuring that mothers look hot. The women that are being celebrated as hot, the hot mom, the la ma, they're of a certain class where they can afford to have their baby and then work on themselves, work on their bodies, become hot again. And I think what it does is it belies the, the invisible labors of pregnancy, motherhood. Mila brought up a book by film scholar Barbara Creed called The Monstrous Feminine, where she analyzes women villains in horror films and illustrates the different ways that femininity is feared in contemporary society. That's a really interesting counterpoint to the hot mom phenomenon. Basically, what she's saying is that there's a lot of cultural anxiety around motherhood and that because of ideas that we have about the body and the process of giving birth and it's really scary and there's aspects of it that aren't pretty, right? Like all of it. <laughs> we have a really um, funny relationship with bodily waste, bodily fluids and these kinds of things. And, and when you think about giving birth, that's not a sight that we are used to seeing and confronting and so we don't celebrate the mother giving birth. But what we do celebrate with this hot mom idea is she becomes a visual palate cleanser. She becomes sanitized and cleansed of any of the uncomfortable aspects of giving birth, pregnancy, all of that stuff. Part of the, the affective nature of looking at a hot mom is the wow factor, the surprise. In 2013, there was a hot mom contest on Weibo, which is China's version of Twitter, where mothers posted photos of themselves with their daughters. And some of the mothers looked so young that you weren't sure which one was the mother and which one was the daughter. It was really controversial, and it made international headlines. Are we impressed by this? Are we celebrating it? What are we celebrating? There is a tipping point in any kind of stereotype or extreme or trend. There is a point at which it's overdone. 
and it becomes excessive. And that's where it becomes corny or cheesy or campy and it loses its power. And I think that's really interesting in terms of hot mom. Because there is that criticism of women who don't dress their age. Like, oh, what do you think, you're 15 years old? And there's a shaming process that happens with those kinds of women. And so it's funny because we don't know what the tipping point is until we get closer and closer and closer and we, and we actually do it. China really did have to speed up in, in many ways. I mean, economically, of course, but it trickled down into the culture. And yeah, they had to catch up, quote unquote, to Western ideals. And I think it is this like very accelerated embodiment trying to be hyper feminine now. And I think the idea of self-confidence, too, and the idea of the individual and the expressions of the personal are somewhat still new for China, which is why it makes this kind of thing kind of a novelty. So after studying the hot mom phenomenon, what does Professor Sun hope for the future of mothers in China? We need to think about the relationship between man and woman and the gender role. How we can be a mom, there are different ways. She says that if the Chinese media used to glorify women as traditional sacrificial mothers, and now they're celebrating hot supermothers, it's like we're going from one extreme point to the other. Both extreme points is not good. We need to give the mother and the woman to try, so you can choose from this extreme point to that extreme point. You have a lot of choice. Which corresponds to the theories of third wave feminism in the West that are talked about today. It's saying that different women experience different kinds of systems of oppression or microaggressions depending on the woman, and that one paradigm of feminism can't just be adopted by all women. Each woman can make up her mind about what she thinks is empowering or liberating. If that's what makes you feel liberated and, and emancipated and strong, that's great. So tell us what you think. Do you think it's empowering to be a hot mom? Disempowering? Fun fact, remember the Chinese slang for hot girl? La Mei is also the Chinese name for the Spice Girls. Yeah, those Spice Girls, which may have inspired the term. So if you're not a mom and have no desire to be a mom, Tell me who your favorite Spice Girl is instead. Who knew the Spice Girls would have such an influence on feminism in China? This podcast was produced by me, Craig Steubing, and Brian Hu. I edited this episode. Our theme song is by Purple Glitter, and additional music is composed by Jean Chen. Bullet Train was brought to you by Asia Pacific Arts, an online magazine published by the USC US China Institute under the Annenberg School for Communications and Journalism. Special thanks to Clayton Duby, Holly Lee, Emily Lee, Stephanie Chung, Tao Ranzo, and my mom. Check us out at bullettrainpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And find us on Twitter if you think it's about time for Chinese media to seriously think about cultivating a hot dad phenomenon. You know, for true equality. Mila recently directed a short film called Carnal Orient, which is an experimental film exploring the nightmarish tones of the Asian fetish. It'll be premiering at the end of January at the Slam Dance Film Festival. On the next episode, we're talking about lip syncing. Here's me at this year's Collaboration Los Angeles Talent Showcase, talking to the contestants of their first ever lip sync battle. So what do you think makes a good lip syncer? 100% commitment. Have I ever lip synced? Maybe in my car, but not in front of an audience. So this might be very embarrassing. My strategy is to 
escalate the drama. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> You'll see. Okay. You'll see. That's the next stop on Bullet Train. <laughs> 